Dave Max Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM. Donal Gallagher, I saw this fabulous documentary that you featured in over Christmas about how the 70s changed Ireland. Arguably, you could call it the birth of alternative culture in Ireland. And, and when rock music came to town, uh, it was a great documentary. It talked about the Mountain Dew Festival in McCroom in 1978, which your brother, Rory Gallagher, headlined. You, his manager and brother, were instrumental in that as well. And when I was chatting about that, uh, I said, you know what, I must get chatting to Donal Gallagher. And everybody in court knows Rory Gallagher. I mean, we've Rory Gallagher Plaza and we've statues. We know he was Ireland's first rock icon, but perhaps there are many younger people of these days that don't maybe know the full richness of the story. And that is why I'm grateful for you joining me today. So where or how can we begin the story of Rory Gallagher? Um, well, I think we're just bearing down on his 27th, sadly, his, his anniversary, June 14th. And I suppose it's a way of working backwards to the, the beginnings of Rory. In some ways, his legacy is, is stronger today than it ever was. Um, as we speak, his, there was a record store release, a rare live appearance in um, San Diego, which was recorded and recently found, and that got just put out for, on vinyl for the one-day record store. So and it's currently number three in the blues charts at Billboard in America. So it's just extraordinary how... His appeal has, has His grown. His legacy lives on. And it's almost like, in some ways, it skipped a couple of generations. I think there was, in a sense, before Rory left us, there was almost people that had become so knowledgeable about music themselves. You know, and, and might I add, through Rory's um, influence, uh, that he almost got erased out of the... Uh, situation and almost airbrushed out of popularity. Uh, and I think it then took a new generation who luckily had the likes of YouTube and other mediums to, to, to go back and, and revisit and, and sort of, uh, I spoke to lots of them who can't get over the fact that Rory wasn't sort of more widely known, but that was Rory himself too. I mean, he he basically did. He was anti-singles, um, so he never made what you would call a commercial uh, release, other than what he did in his albums. So there are kind of no milestones to go back and say, "Oh well, you know, Tattooed Lady, Million Miles Away, all the favourites going to my hometown could have been, you know, chart successes potentially of their day, which probably would have been." made it easier for people to have a stat on Rory and yeah. the start on the chart position, um, which unfortunately, particularly with radio, you just fall out of that whole circuit. But, mm. you know, uh, I think the strength of his music is from a live context as well. So you have the likes of the various Rory tribute festivals all over the world, I might add, from Tokyo to Turkey to Athens, um, right through to the ones in Ireland and Ballyshannon and the likes, uh, where his music is 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 played live and repeated. So there's a, a, a there's a, an upside to the whole thing. And then what's great and Rory would love about that is that it's such an influence on young musicians and players and it, 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 where they they can go and test themselves out against the older boys who know it all, whatever. So that's what, you know, not that you want to turn them into a contest, but it does, you know, all the guitar slingers come into town and that it was all the young buck trying to make his name. So it gives them, it also gives them a live gig to go to. It, 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 and the interplay and, and swapping between the various countries from, I don't know, Finland, Norway, uh, Holland, Belgium, they all have their, so they swap bands with the guys in Ballyshannon who swap with the guys in Belfast. And so it's actually created a Rory Gallagher circuit for a lot of bands. And there's a lot of musicians making a living, particularly, you know, uh, ex-musicians with Rory who sort of go with their tribute bands. I mean, they're playing in the States and they're playing here, there and everywhere. They're making a living. So it, 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 it is very much uh, alive and kicking. 
Well, you referenced Ballyshannon, so let's maybe take that as a starting point because it's all, you know, my, I have friends from Ballyshannon. It's uh, Ballyshambles, as they, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, endearingly refer to it, uh, and Bundoran and out that way. It's a lovely part of South Donegal. And I... My, let me tell you what I know and you can then uh, jump in with that. So Bally Shannon claim Rory as one of their own as well and, and, and they've some right to as he was born up there. Your dad is a cork man who was working on the, uh, uh, the electricity generating uh, lower lock urn. So the, the, the lake lock urn uh, flows down through Bally Shannon and out into the Atlantic and they built a dam there to generate electricity. Your dad moved up from Cork to, uh, to work on this project and spent a number of years there. Rory was born there and that's Bally Shannon's claim on what is otherwise a Corkman. Uh, yeah, a correction on, on my forum. <laughs> my forum was a, a dairyman. Oh wow! So, well, there you go because the Gallagher obviously is is a is a name from up. Yeah. But your mum's the yeah. Cork woman, so. My mother is is cook as as you can get through and through, yeah, and and you know adored Cork City, and so it, my dad it, it had joined the Free State Army as it was known, being a dairyman. Uh, just before the outbreak of the war, in fact, he he crossed over into Lifford from the bog side, and joined the Free State Army as a private. He ended up arriving in Cork as a, a lieutenant, he was commissioned. So, uh, plus he was a, a, a very talented musician. He had, he had his own Cayley Dance Orchestra, the initial Cayley Dance Orchestra. So uh, the gene that bypassed me, uh, uh, and well, it went to Rory first, so it, <laughs> it never came down the line, um, was very much from my, my father. I mean, it, it, in fact, my father played uh, the Cork Opera House uh, as a concert for the, what was then the troops uh, in Cork, stationed in Cork. So he played these various gigs uh, with his piano accordion. And along so, the way, and along the way. Then, yeah, so then uh, they were all demobbed and he married my mother in 47, uh, but he got seconded by the uh, army to go to be up on the border because oh, I, I, so I have the story yeah, arse ways, really. Yeah, in fact, he was one of the few men that actually knew the other side of the border mm. and was able to draw maps because of being a musician, he'd probably walked to Feshes or traveled to Feshes. He was also a boxer, so he used to, so he knew every inch of the road in the North Bond. So I think he was whatever uses. Um, mm. The, the dam was being built one mile from the, the border. Also, it was um, a German contract at that time with Siemens. So um, it would be interesting to look back at the controversy of it. But yes, it was Bally Shannon. So, well, well, well uh, if, you, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, let me just halt you there and ask you a few things that strike me about that. Do you know, where, was, he, was it Collins Barracks he was stationed in? Yeah, he was stationed in Collins Barracks. And do you know where he, where he, where he met your mum? Um, well, in the, in the city, um, out and about, I saw the usual dances and various people introductions. So, so I think initially he met my aunt who introduced him to yeah. her sister. So um, and did, and did they marry in Cork ahead of going up? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're you're the older brother, are you? No, younger. You're the younger brother. So were were all the were you born up up north as well? Yeah, I was born in the Bogside. Wow, Derry. Jeez. Um, because, but, I mean, my mother didn't, it wasn't pleasant for my mother when, when Rory was born, I might add. But anyway, so she said that after her experience in the hospital there, that gotcha. the next birth would be a home gotcha. birth. So gotcha. I, I was about to arrive and my mother got in the train and went to my grandmother's in <laughs> Derry City. So, wow, that would be a... What a different world for your mum. I mean, even today, the north of Ireland, uh, Donegal, whatever part of the north is so far away from Cork that, you know, um, I mean, people, you know, go up on holidays and stuff like that. But, you know, people don't know it. So it, it was a whole new world for your mum to be up in Donegal and have a, have uh, in-laws then in Derry. And uh, that was quite an experience for her. Um, and, and and effectively, there were alien accents in those days, mm, yeah. you know. So, you know, the Derry accent, certainly when I came down to Cork, I mean, it was, you know, just the whole class it, 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 in the North Monastery, as soon as I'd opened my mouth, would completely collapse because 
And, you know, I turn around and say, well, I, I find your accent just as funny. <laughs> so, so did you, okay, it, so, it, no, it, right, right, right. I am enjoying this because I always wondered about that, that what, what's the actual story about the Ballyshannon bit. So, right, I've, we've maybe jumped a little bit too, too far ahead into, into the bog side. So he's up, is he in Finner Camp or something like that? And he's working as, as his role in the Irish Army and he's stationed up there. So the, the ESB dam has nothing really to do with it other than that was at the same time, is it? Well, he was, he was technically employed by the ESB. Right. So, um, I, I, you know, I know the Finner Camp was there. It, hmm. um, I really don't know hmm. beyond that. Um, because then when his work was done and we, uh, my mother was in Derry and I was born and, uh, you know, wasn't actually expected to survive, uh, but fortunately did. Uh, so the, the, the family then were sort of more centered in Derry yeah. for a period of time. And then, uh, the, you know, work was very scarce. Once a project like Adam has finished, it's, you know, um, then my father moving back into Derry wasn't very welcome in some quarters because he he was um, in the Irish Army, which was viewed with suspicions. Plus the fact that he he'd been commissioned an officer meant that he he could go back every year and do his six weeks training uh, to be in there. So eventually the pressures of not being able to get work, uh, the, the family made a, a couple of trips to the UK, to Coventry, Birmingham, uh, and, and, you know, I, I have vague memories of, 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 of how devastated they were after the war, but I didn't, you know, when you're that young, you don't mm. get it. But um, it was very tough on my mother. She couldn't uh, cope with that and kept pleading with my father that, you know, there was a better life in Cork. She really was heartbroken, missing Cork, missing her family, mm. knew that there was a better life uh, and you know, a better situation for us, the kids in Cork, because she also was quite a perceptive woman. And so, you know, the potential of what was going to happen in the North of Ireland. Mm. And she was determined to get us uh, away from that. Down to Cork and settled in Cork. So that, that it happened in a, a, a few dribs and drabs, but, you know, it was a reconciliation and one minute and then. Yeah, I mean, listen, fam families do what they need to do, and I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a new father of a six month old, and it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing having a having a baby. So all of that moving around with a couple of kids is 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 difficult. Um, uh, but so, at what age does do 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 the family and does Rory and does yourself land back down in Cork? It, you know, I, I appreciate there's the dribs and the drabs, but at, at what point do you become yeah. established? And 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 I guess actually, you know, knowing Cork as I do, that must have been difficult. You you know, you must have been like an alien landing from another planet coming down with a with a dairy accent. Yeah, I mean, initially, that I mean, my grandmother had a, a, a bar in McCartan Street, so and. It was a big household, so there was a lot of other members of the family in there, because uh, which was fantastic. So uh, uh, my mother's youngest sister, Noreen, was a young woman uh, working in Dunlops. You know, uh, my uncle Jimmy, who was still he had gone to university, he had gone to America, got the money in the car plants to put himself through university, and he was in the household and. He was responsible for what's now the uh, MIT or CIT, who's the, the founding principal of the RTC oh. and CIT. And what's your mother's um, what's your mother's Roach. family name? Roach. Roach. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's as cork as you can get. Yeah, and and so it was a very dynamic, and you know, it, it, it suddenly being the youngest in the household, and you have all these old, older people. Yeah. Um, being really nice to you and yeah. you know friendly, so it felt like it felt like home pretty quickly. Oh, very much. And then with the customers in the bar, you just got to know everybody on the street. Um, and you know, it, it, it McCartan Street was a very dynamic street at that time. Yeah. You know, between the Thompsons Bread Factory was yeah. full going, they had all their cafes, and um, you know, you had Scots. You had all the cinemas, you had quite a few cinemas in the street. Mm. Uh, you had the Metropole Hotel, which was the, the sort of 
centre of, of the international, and plus the fact the airport didn't exist at that time in as an as an airport. Mm. So effectively, everything came through the docks mm. or through cold the liners. The Americans came in mm. into Cork, came up on the train to Cork. Uh, you know, the Innisfallen. Mm. Uh, was in yeah, the Innisfallen Irish. docking down the thing, the train coming in. So yeah, you were in you were in the heart of it. Oh, absolutely! It, 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 it was a real, you know, dynamic international city. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I suppose the only difference would have been from the north of Ireland. It was from a music point of view. Uh, when we were in Derry, it, it was very formative for Rory, particularly because it, uh, the port of Derry had been given over to the Americans in the Second World War. So that was their um, main naval base for Europe. And then it continued there because of the Cold War. Yeah. Uh, so there was station, they had built the biggest antenna and were broadcasting uh, American music. You know, whether you liked it or not. I mean, if, if you had a radio or anything that was a reciprocal, it, 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 I remember the station would just automatically come through. So. And that's where Rory kind of started initially listening to the jazz hour, which was uh, really hard jazz back then. I mean, I, I remember it actually getting frightened that Rory figured out how to surf the, the radio and find this, the stations and the music he was after, you know, and then you'd get this big bass voice saying, you know, this is the jazz hour, <laughs> you know, you are listening to. And I think it, it sounded to me like the devil. I mean, it was like I'd run out of the room, but Rory stuck with it. And through that, those jazz programs, they would then introduce a little bit of blues. And then the BBC uh, created uh, the Chris Barber Jazz Hour once a week. And his banjo player was Lonnie Donegan, um, who went off then and got his own career. But Chris... Bless him, who only died last year at uh, 90. Um, Chris would bring on people like uh, Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee. And then he founded the clubs in London, like the Marquee, the 100 Club, with his manager, so he could invite the musicians in America. So he he, he told me this, that he'd, he'd swap the visas for uh, Louis Armstrong to come in. So Louis Armstrong was so huge, so to come in, he would then get a reciprocal uh, visa to go to America, and, and that's where he heard Muddy Waters in Chicago. And then he invited Muddy Waters to come over to the UK with Rosetta Tarp and various other blues musicians. In fact, on YouTube, there's a couple of very good uh, programs made at the time where they actually hired a train and they would stop at the stations and they'd play on the opposite platform because people weren't used to the music. And it was a way of, of introducing, you know, jazz and blues uh, into the UK. So Chris was the godfather of all that. And so it, it, he was kind of a, a, a hero to Rory. And But through that, he heard Lanny Donegan and, of course, the Rock Island line. And Chris was the bass player on it, but that split Lonnie Donegan from the band because Lonnie's hit became bigger than the sum of the parts. So, um, so and, and, and oddly enough, Lonnie Donegan has a, a North Cork connection, so he can, he, it, it, we became very close friends before, you know, over the years, but then particularly before he died. And uh, I was encouraging him to move to Ireland from the circumstances he was in. and. Uh, we did his genealogy, and he was descended from uh, a John Donegan from Ballydonegan, North Cork, who incidentally had mar married um, a Mary Gallagher. <laughs> so um, it, it, it's funny how the circles go around. Absolutely. So that sounds like the, the the time spent in the North was very formative for Rory. Again, what what age then did did he and did you land down in Cork? And um, and you know, and and maybe how long did it take before you guys were like we're we're Cork or how did that work? Because you know he is such an icon for Cork. Yeah. But well, clearly, the North it, is 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 also very influential on him or, or his time spent there. With Rory and I had just started school in in Derry, and. Uh, the incentive to get Rory um, was that my mother promised once we get to Cork, 
she had gotten him a, a little plastic ukulele Elvis model, whatever it was, which <laughs> at that time to a kid was a guitar, but Rory knew it wasn't. I mean, he'd learned some chords on it and knew that he had to have a bigger instrument. So that was the, the uh, incentive for Rory to settle down in, into school in Cork. And sure enough, when we got to McCartan Street within a couple of weeks, Rory had got his uh, wooden acoustic from Crowley's, which was then on Merchant's Key. Um, so, uh, so that was it. Rory was, you know, an extra set. He was just. Is, I mean, is, he, I seven, is he is he seven or eight, Donal, or? Yeah, he's he's age somewhere between eight and nine. But yeah, and then you're what four or five or six or something? Oh no, no, just a couple of years behind. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, and are, and are yeah. you the two boys? Is there more than you? No, just the two of us. Two boys. So thick yeah. as thieves, uh, and, and and off to the North Mon together. He's looking after you, is he? Yes. Yeah, very much. Yeah. I mean, Rory could handle himself. Um, not that there was any. Uh, you were a curiosity yeah. more than anything else, and and some of the boys were extremely kind, and you know, it, times are tough for everybody. So there was no kind of. You know, um, it's just that the language thing and understanding, because uh, I remember eventually with a, a, a very decent teacher in a, in a brother Pharisee who decided that the fifth class, which was confirmation in those days, you know, was done and dusted. Look, you know, the bishop is just going to smack you in the cheek and you're all confirmed. <laughs> like, don't worry too much about the number 400 and... 61, whatever that is, in the catechism, which was all recited. And he decided that actually it would be much better to do a musical. So he, he, he got all the, the class together to do uh, the Mikado for a Christmas uh, situation. So, uh, and he brought in a recording machine for the first time and was actually, in, in an odd way, doing elocution lessons with some of the lads and and some of the lads were, you know, were very rural, and their accents were very rural as well. So I mean, it, it, it was the funniest thing to hear a Derry accent alongside a, you know, a West Cork accent or whatever yeah. shaping up. But you know, we all got on, and you know, we had to learn how to play hurling and learn how to play learn Gaelic. And my my first experience, I remember, was being. Uh, brought up in front of the class because they weren't sure where I'd fit in the streaming. And because I, I didn't have any Gaelic whatsoever. And uh, I got asked by the, 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 the head brother to, um, and he said it in Gaelic to me, which I couldn't understand, which was uh, to recite the second part of the Shade of Ahawura, which is the Hail Mary. And I was just looking at him stupid and, and, uh, he then turned around to the class and he said, you see, boys, this is the problem in the north of Ireland. They suppress the language. You know, uh, here's a perfect example. And we're going to teach this boy Gaelic. <laughs> so, you know, and I got put back at class on top of everything. So I, I felt very, mm, uh, Rory was much brighter than I was. And, and um, he excelled, in fact. And uh, through the years, he'd always win the... You either had a choice of the holy picture or the ball or the book. And um, so Rory would, you know, oh, was no. getting first in this class. And then one year uh, he suddenly wasn't first. And I'm going, Rory, my God, what, you know, what's changed? You know, you, you, like you're losing your. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I, I just got fed up with getting the holy picture because if you come first, <laughs> you can't in front of the brothers ask for the football. <laughs> you know, so and there were. Tough and good times at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like, I mean, that's that's very young to be as interested in music as he is. I mean, would you have seen American GIs walking around Derry? Might that have been? Would would the exoticism of that have been attractive? And and then even listening to jazz. At, at, if he's coming down to Cork at eight looking for a guitar, he's already been listening to those shows. Oh yeah, yeah. And we would have seen troops around Derry City. Yeah. I mean, they would all you know from their base and particularly on the weekends. Looking cool. Also, Television was in its infancy yeah. and had started. So uh, you televisions were, you know, sold as in the city centre shops. So 
So I remember particularly one store up in the Diamond uh, had the television, but it would close at six o'clock and leave the television on till. But there were no uh, no verbals at all. Yeah. So, but Rory would actually make me go up, or he'd, he'd, we'd go up and stand outside because the big program of television program at that time for music was the Six Five Special, which usually featured Lonnie Donegan and uh, the Skiffle, which was the sort of early blues of the day or a, a version of the blues. Well, it's certainly um, what influenced the likes of the Beatles, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at, at, at five past six, the, the shop would be closed, but it, and all you could do... But Rory was so intense on the musicians that he, he knew all the lyrics. And so you'd have a, a, a little crowd gathered outside this shop because everyone would, would watch it anyway. It was just hypnotic. And uh, Rory would actually sing the lyrics of the songs. He'd lip sync with... Um, yeah. and entertain the crowd outside. Wow. Because I always so, got the impression that he was kind of quite a shy guy. That sounds more maybe outgoing than, I mean, I, I mean, despite the fact that he was a performer out on stage, but, you know, as, as a person, um, I always got the impression or a sense that maybe he was quite a, a shy guy and, and sometimes a little uncomfortable uh, being out in, in, in the public eye. So that sounds like he enjoyed performing. Well, uh, it's difficult to put Rory in... in, in, in he was two people. He was a Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. You know, um, Rory uh, was born to perform. Mm. You know, put him on the stage. He was a different animal altogether. Mm. Uh, take him off stage. So, you know, in some ways, his his life was just living to be on the stage. Mm. And then he was, he was extrovert. Mm. Um, off stage, he, he was, you know, he go back into this private shell that was very hard to kind of, I mean, you know, even to late in life, he, he wouldn't even let the, the, the guy in to read a gas meter or, you know, it's just so private uh, about himself. Wow. And when he, when he was performing, he, he just transcended into somebody else. Yeah. Mm. Um so, I mean, your dad, you mentioned, is a musician and playing gigs in Cork when he was stationed here. Did he continue with the music? Was music all around you as a family? Uh, and and, and, and it, was that a bit of the driving force behind Rory's interest in it? Well, no. It, it, well, he didn't come to Cork. He, oh. it, for whatever reason, he just... Uh, he wasn't coming to Cork despite my mother's pleading. So whether it was... A, mm. He just... Uh, he was a proud dairyman too, and he felt that he should be able to get a job in his own city, given his achievements, and plus um, support his own people. So he would, and, and plus his, his work in that time in, in Birmingham or Coventry or whatever, and he was playing music at night to all the Irish communities. So uh, he stayed on doing that. My, I, I think my mother, we as a family or grew up in the belief that he was he was going to turn up one day. He was going to come back mm. to Cork, and mm. and then eventually, years and years later, he, he went back to Derry himself. So and and we saw him a few times. So um, you know, but uh, it did. Sadly, that didn't work out. And um, mm. but we were then very entrenched in Cork and mm. and happy out for the topic. So. Yeah, look, there's loads of questions that you could... I, we don't have to follow that uh, train of the story too much, but uh, when when Rory was at his, uh, you know, on stages around the world, had your dad any contact with him then, or was he a part of that at all? Or uh, I said, He wasn't really a part of it because, you know, also communications were yes. purely letter writing. Yes. There was no, you know... Uh, yeah, there were phones. I mean, I remember there was one phone box in McCartney Street, mm. which was shared by the whole community. Mm. <laughs> and you'd have to book a call, um, or if you were lucky enough to know one of the receptionists in the Metropole, they'd put a call through for you or take yeah. a call. So, so it, if you it, weren't physically it, it, there, it was hard to stay in touch. Yeah, I mean, you, it, yeah. you know, compared to the, the current world that we have, you know, everything from a WhatsApp to an email to, yeah. you know, it's instant. It, it, you know, there was a void back then. And 
you know, life probably was at a slower pace because of that. But no, the, the, you know, there was the odd letter and yeah. then a yeah. response mightn't come for weeks because yeah. my father would have changed address yeah. or, or, or done something like that. So, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, he, he was he was conscious of Rory's uh, success, particularly the you know coming into the seventies and and that. So well, it, let's and, yeah, let's let's go to there. So I mean, I know Rory was born in forty eight, so maybe it's fifty the mid fifties that you're down in Cork and you're young lads. So we bring it into the sixties, and as I saw in that documentary of of you know how how rock changed, uh, you know, or was it how how the seventies changed Ireland? It was something along those lines, and and. You know, show bands were the thing through, I suppose, I mean, even rock and roll really, like when when did when did rock and roll begin for you? I mean, that's that's sort of Elvis in mid fifties and, and he's playing black music to a white audience and 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 then you move into the sixties and so where does where does it all fit with you guys there with that? Well, as we were leaving Derry, Elvis was come had come on the scene. The big guy on, on in rock and roll was Bill Haley. Mm. Um he was the superstar uh, from a European perspective too. But uh, Lonnie Donegan uh, had risen, so uh, and in fact, Elvis came through with such a blinding force mm. that there was almost like a slight resentment about this new kid on the block because hey, Lonnie Donegan is the hero here, you yeah. know, uh, Bill Haley's the hero, and. You know, Elvis just completely transformed the, the whole rock scene. So we arrived down in Cork with the knowledge of of, of that music. I mean, he, the, you know, you really you would only RTE one radio station. Yeah. That was it. I mean, you were lucky if a sponsored program would play, you know, something akin to music. So effectively, the show bands became the replica bands for rock and roll. I mean, and they were very good musicians. I mean, I know that it, 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 it takes a lot of stick mm. uh, nowadays and that's easy to do. Mm. But to be of that time and, you know, to bring rock and roll or music or, you know, they, they did five hour sets, you know, in the middle of nowhere in the country at a crossroads mm. dance hall. You know, it was the only- Entertainment of entertainment. So they, they grafted very hard. So Rory had, had progressed from doing little concerts around, around the city. I would join him because it, 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 he wasn't allowed to sing a rock and roll song as such, you know, particularly, you know, I don't know, something I'd be doing a, a charity concert up in St. Augustine's Hall or, and certainly if it, if it went near the monastery, there was no chance you could do anything rock and roll. So Rory would resort to Roy Rogers' four-legged friend. You know, you could sing about bestiality, but um, you couldn't sing about living dull because I remember one night Rory was in the Northern Monastery in the Mikado, the whole machinery broke down and Rory had done just a couple of innocent numbers and uh, he got told by the brother, go back on and save the show. And Rory said, well, I've done all my songs and the guy said I don't care what you sing sing what you like you have to save the show you go and he he went out and did I think Cliff Richards Living Dog I mean the the other lads in the school were thrilled to bits they were off on the feet the whole the following day not only did Rory get expelled from the monastery I got expelled as well and that had nothing to do with it um, but it, it, such was it, the view was taken, and also the guitar was looked as a, as a, an instrument of the devil. Um, That's you know, sorry, I'm uh, sorry, my jaw's a bit on the floor with that, Donald. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. expelled. Yeah, and then eventually you excited it, it, people it, it, too much. Yeah, it was it, it was it was just before Christmas. Mikado happened, and then um, it, we were told we were expelled, and then two weeks. Christmas holidays, we were told that you could have another chance. You were, you know. Um, so Rory was kind of very concerned about the, what he could play or couldn't play. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we talk about countries in the Middle East and yeah, the yeah, yeah. 
it, it was very much that kind of scene, it, it, the church and state. The orthodoxy and, and, well, do you know, Donald, it's interesting and just very briefly, sometimes when people cast shade on other parts of the world and how it is, and I say, it's not that long ago that many of those things were exactly like that here. So it's easy to throw stones, but you forget that we yeah. might have come from such situations of control and suppression and oppression and... Yeah. So out of that, I got press ganged into going on stage with Rory because he'd do his four-legged friend and his grand coulee dam, inanimate objects, whatever, it, we're fine. Uh, but the one piece of rock and roll you could get away with is, is was the Evelry Brothers. And Rory and I at home used to practice the Evelry Brothers and the harmonies. And, you know, we it, like all brothers, you are very, there's a natural uh, musical thing there. So he'd do his three or four numbers and then I'd be invited up to sing, you know, Wake Up Little Susie or, uh, I mean, the sort of innocent songs or mm. Ebony Eyes mm. and, uh, you know, but, but they were the songs you could get away with as rock and roll. And then one night it went on so well, it went in uh, to another encore and Rory said, nothing else, do your party piece. And I used to do a Scottish Soldier, which was a, a number one hit by Andy Stewart. Uh, because I had a Northern Ireland accent, I could do the Scottish accent. So uh, I said to Rory, I, I, I don't want to do it. And they'd be, come on, you've got to be professional, get on and do it, you know. And so I started off with, there was a soldier, a Scottish soldier who wandered far away. And Rory joined in with the guitar, and, and I stopped in the middle of it, and I said, excuse me, Rory, there's no guitar in this song. And so I got fired. That was it. <laughs> You're out of the band. Never on stage again. You know, sort of uh, Liam and Noel before it ever was invented. And, <laughs> you Although know, you ended so up the manager, so... Well, to get back in his good books, I used to carry his guitar and amps and truck whatever across the town just to, 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 to get back in with him. I didn't particularly like being in say to be honest. Yeah. I did, because I was always the spare wheel. I'd always end up in, I remember ending up in McCroom uh, and being put in with the girls team because they were short one for a quiz, you know, and then you were asked questions, you know, in Gaelic that you, you, you still hadn't mastered, you know. Um, <laughs> So it, it was always, and being that bit younger, it was always, it was always an hour more past your bedtime. So you were always, you know, getting up for school. But it was a great experience. So that, you know, but Rory progressed out of that, found an ad in the paper for, uh, uh, he was trying to form a group around Cork and couldn't find anybody, you know, you know, he'd find one person but with similar tastes or, you know, I mean, he had a good friend, Johnny Campbell, great musician, that they were trying to get the thing. So Rory sort of went and joined the show band looking for a, a guitarist singer and um, telling them that at the time he was 17, when he was 15. So he got the job and then he had to join the, the, the Federation so he could play the show band role. So... He, he managed to do that uh, by doing an instrumental on the guitar. And so he was off gigging at night then. And that, that's it, right. I think I recall maybe Roz, when I was chatting about the Mountain Dew, I, yeah, there was something like you had to, you had to, in order to be allowed play live, you had to pass a test by the, the gatekeepers, by the union or something, was it? Or because you were potentially take, oh, because if you played too many instruments, you were taking jobs off other bands. There was something like that, is it? Yeah, no, that was a little later when Rory then uh, had left the show band and he formed Taste which was a three-piece band. Yeah. They wouldn't accept a three-piece band, or the union said it did. Two few musicians. Minimum of six uh, <laughs> to be in a show band hall. Um, so I'd, I'd get the, you know, so Taste had, had by then started. And, um, and yeah, they, 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 uh, Philip Prendergast and Peter Prendergast Peter ran the Arcadia. Philip was Rory's manager. He was the younger brother of Peter. So he he had managed Rory's show band and had 
kind of with Rory transformed from being a show band into a, a beat band or a, more of a rock band. It, it was, and then it went, and then went from the Fontana to the Impact. It was more direct, and uh, instead of wearing show band suits, they were wearing polar necks, which were very fashionable because of the Beatles at the time, and they were, you know, they had Beatle cuts and their hair was getting longer and they were sort of getting away with it, if you like, in, in the show. And that was becoming much more popular. But then uh, they went off to the UK and they got gigs in Europe. And Rory was desperate to get, not just stay in Ireland, but get there out there internationally. And I mean, there's a great picture of Rory getting on, onto an Aer Lingus plane at the age of 17. The day after he had uh, he had done his um, leaving cert exam, uh, and they're going off to an airbase just outside Madrid called Alcalá de Henares. Alcalá de Henares, yeah. Yeah, and that was a big U.S. airbase, and Rory was desperate to get in front of an American audience hmm. to see if they would accept his band and his music, or, you know, and they, they had a great time, mind you. And they, of course, it was a, a terrific bit of publicity at the time to, you know, welcome the impact home from from abroad. And Yeah, the conquering heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you just a couple of things, maybe just to fill in a little bit, because I like where we're at now. We're kind of at the... the you know, the dawn of of, of it all, really. Um, but it seems a silly question because I'm guessing the answer is yes. But in having the ukulele and getting his first guitar from Crowley's, was, you know, was was he was he pretty good straight away sort of thing? Like, was he sort of a natural? I mean, I know that seems silly. Was Rory Gallagher a natural guitarist? Like, you know, he's like literally the most natural guitarist the world has known. But but was, well, was, it, was it apparent straight away? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, the day Rory got that wooden acoustic guitar and he, he got a stack of guitar chords, he was, he was desperate to teach me. He was trying to, in fact, he would love if I could be a rhythm guitarist for him. And that's what he kind of, you know, a bit about. And he did everything. In that. And of course, I just get A, B, you know, A, C, D and you know the basics and that and he was already on volume 10 of jazz chords uh he'd go down to pickets in in uh patrick street and the piano shop and he'd he'd have figured out the chords and you know got information so he was progressing at a, a rate of knots which was extraordinary then of course he'd he'd to join the show band he had to have an electric guitar so he'd got a, a, a Burns or a, no, a summer solid seven, I remember, and uh, which was about £12.50 on the Never Never uh, HP. And of course, my mother then freaked, oh, you, you can't play the guitar without an amplifier. You have to buy the amplifier as well. And that's another £12.50. So you, you're into debt. <laughs> but, but she was very good about it anyway. He, he, he got that. And then it wasn't long before he was saying, this summer guitar isn't good enough. I have to get a preferred. Like it, it, it looked the part, but yeah. you know. Yeah. So then, suddenly one day, this uh, spacecraft landed in Crowley's guitar store, and it was a Fender Stratocaster, just like Buddy Holly's. Uh, and I remember Rory coming up and in almost in a state of shock and saying, "You cannot believe what I've I've, I've seen. You know." A guitar that the shadows of a Buddy Holly. It's the Buddy Holly color. It's it's it it, it you know that was it. it, it and I went down and we stood. It, it, the store was closed that that evening, but we stood outside in all of this contoured, uh, amazing shaped guitar. And the following day, I think it was the following day. They, 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 I, I, I think I skipped off school on Rory's behalf. He wrote me a note probably because Rory had very good handwriting. And um, to go down and then Rory was in talking to Michael Crowley and the next thing Michael Crowley's taking the guitar out of the shop window and it had a price tag of £100 on it, which was, you know, you write 100000 It mentally would have been the same number uh, in today's world. Um, and Rory... 
in his own persuasive way, it, 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 telling Michael that he needed to, to, to upgrade the guitar. And then Michael would be, who was a very, very kind man. I mean, he was an absolute gent of a man. And, you know, he'd make a good program. Uh, they, he said, well, how many gigs are you going to get, Rory? And Rory said, well, potentially we're going to go, go out and tour backing Brady Gallagher, who was the number one singer in Ireland in, in that, at that time. And, uh, you know, we're going to get three weeks' work. And next thing, there was all sorts of sums done, and and Rory had managed to, to take the... the uh, never never pay system whatever it was the higher purchase agreement and extended by 36 months from the year it was which would be, you know uh, and and work out that the payment plan and whatever so this would be then presented to my mother as uh, so uh, and Michael then just said well why don't you take the guitar home with you and try it out first before you you know make such a huge commitment and so it was kind of smuggled into the house and and Rory decided to hide it under my bed, so <laughs> it would, wouldn't be uh, found or whatever. And and then plus the fact when you're in a, a, a public house, that's being terrified and going to school, that the guitar might get stolen the day somebody might creep up the stairs and all that. So it was a very nerve-wracking experience. And then my mother, I think, met Michael Crawley and it, it kind of who said to my mother, how is Rory getting on with the guitar? <laughs> so the, 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 the game was up. What guitar? And <laughs> yeah. And she was distraught. I mean, because financially, you know, the money wasn't there. I mean, it, 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 and uh, she, she adored Rory. She, and and she, would, she was doing everything she could for him. And But this was just such a... Uh, and I remember Rory Cooley kind of saying to her, look, if, if, if I get this guitar, not only will I be able to play lead guitar, I'll be able to play rhythm at the same time, this kind of guitar. So therefore, the band won't need a second guitar. So I'll, get, I, I'll, I'll make it pay. I, I will work and I'll, I'll save all my pocket money and do jobs, which he did. I remember he had a, an old tobacco tin and he put it two and six or some kind relative might give a couple of shillings or whatever, because that's, the, 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 you know, it, it, you saved in coins in those days. You were, you know, a paper note was, and he he met, he would meet all the payments. Mm. And um, my mother relented. And and then, of course, it, 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 he progressed from the show bands into then wanting to have a, a three-piece band, mm. which then he, he it, it the show band had gone off to Europe and been in London. The other guys were getting disenchanted with trying to make a living, particularly during Lent in Ireland. All the, the, the dance halls got closed by the church. There was no dancing. And um, so therefore, there was no work for musicians. So they would have to take the boat uh, to the UK and played at the ballrooms of North London and Coventry or wherever the Irish born. But, you know, again, every show band in Ireland was doing that for six weeks leading up to Easter. Mm. Pretend because they had to be a professional show band. They couldn't be seen walking around, nor could they be seen second jobbing. Mm. And so Rory was all for Rory kind of endured the starving. and the, But he would spend his nights just going down to the Marquee, Wardour Street, seeing any musicians that he could, you know, he, he adored people like Georgie Fame. He'd go along and see Long John Bowlby's Steam Packet, who had Elton John on piano, and, and Rod Stewart was the other singer in the band. Uh, you know, bands like the Peddlers, who was a jazz trio, who actually influenced Rory into... It, it, that a three-piece could work, that he was convinced that after seeing them that he could do it. And so they went, the band sort of, show band split up in London. Rory took the bass player and the remnants, so that was Johnny Campbell and Oliver Tobin, and they carried on in the van, got to the gig in Hamburg or Kiel or wherever it was, convinced the promoter that the band, the show band, would be arriving in a few days, but they had got flu 
back in London. And <laughs> but rather than let them down, Rory said, look, we came to perform as a three-piece, you know, uh, until the others arrive. And so after two weeks of this, the, the promoter just said, they're never going to come out, you know, and, and book them. It, it, so he had cracked it as a three-piece. Then that came, that version, which was still the impact of sorts, so arrived back in, in Cork and then disintegrated. Meantime, there was a, a very popular Cork band, the Axles, who were effectively Cork's answer to the Beatles. You know, there was always a, um, they were very much a, a Beatles band and, they were trying to recruit uh, Rory in. Um, and uh, so Rory sort of turned the tables a little bit and recruited them into a new band called Taste. Donald, I'm going to stop you and make a suggestion because I've loved this. I've loved, like, it's like a sociological story and it's a it's a sense of, of Cork and Derry and Ireland at a different time and a whole sort of description of, of, of developments in, in music and in, and in culture and in, and, in, um, and in society as well. But, like, it feels like we're at the beginning of Rory's story as a, as, a, as a musician and as, you know, moving into becoming the rock icon that he became. But it's been such a dense story that we probably have this much time to go again in it. What I might suggest to you is if you would be good enough at some point in the future, might we come back to this chat and leave this as sort of a, a bit of a part one and, and delve back into it? Because I, I don't know, I hope you've enjoyed it, but um, it, yeah. it feels yeah. like there's so much more to come. And yet I'd say I, I don't, I'm certainly uh, feeling tired. <laughs> um, you, you know, you know what I mean? I kind of feel like we could have another yeah. 40 or 50 minutes. Of, of this chat yeah. and maybe not, you know, we both might need to lie down uh, for the rest of the afternoon after it, or, or maybe you wouldn't. No, digest the first course and wait for the... <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, if you're up for that, I mean, because obviously it's a, it's a podcast series that I'm doing, so we, we we can schedule it at some point in the future and and carry on the conversation and take it through into the time where where Rory starts going out and and, and rocking the world because um you know it's a wonderful story and what I'd like as someone who works here on, on Red FM in Cork is is to bring uh, you know and I'm grateful for your time because we'll be able to bring in a detailed way the story of Rory uh, to those who wish to listen to it. Uh, from from start to finish, um, so if we could call this part one, and 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 we'll arrange some time for a for a part two. How does that sound to you? That's great. Magic, Donald Gallagher. Yeah, thank you so that. much. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.